so frustrating. Oh, it's I had to get to start. I had to get in touch with you tonight, man. No, you didn't. You didn't have to. We had already discussed this that it was yeah, happening. And no word. All silent on the bill front. Well, I just finished recording the VHS collection over at Midnight is Flashing YouTube channel. You can check that out. Good ask. That was quite a treat. It's uh, wild hearing the stories of uh, Chris Roberts' adventures. He found more $150 VHS tapes, which is insane. But it more insane to me are these estate sales. Because I was telling them, I, I did a deep dive again here in Ontario searching for estate sales because we're in the winter now there is no yard sales so it would make sense that there would be estate sales and all that comes up is of course all the liquidators have gobbled up any sort of estate sale and turned them all into auctions so everything is an estate sale auction and they're not just even normal auctions they all have this new auction that uh, has an open uh, like an open closing or soft close is what they call it. So it never closes as long as there's bids. You know, it does. it's not like eBay where the time runs out and the last guy to snipe it gets it. If you snipe it with five seconds left, it adds another two minutes to the auction. <laughs> so it's like none of the little tricks you might have learned to get a deal, none of them work. And, uh, and that's the Canadian market. Why is why do we not have like just plain old estate sales where someone opens their home up and says, hey, everything's for sale. We got to clean this house out. Why is it automatically go to these auctions? I've seen it a couple times like that. But, um, you know, when I've gone out yard sailing, I've actually come across. It was I don't think it was marked as an estate sale, but you could go into the house like it was a moving sale. Yeah, I guess I've seen that, too. And, and but, you know, it. I didn't come, mind you, I didn't really do a thorough search, but I didn't come across anything even remotely interesting. Like, it's all, like, shoddy crap furniture, freaking right garbage that might as well be thrown out. Anytime I've seen that, it's all, like, everything is cleaned. It's not, like, he goes to these places where he can open up the kitchen cupboards, you know, and find a 50-year-old can of Spam or something, right? Like, that just doesn't exist. America. <laughs> Should be in their flag that uh, how they take other people's stuff when they die. It's the easiest place to clean out someone, a dead person's stuff. Well, maybe it's just the fact that there's so much in terms of, you know, population compared to other areas. Uh, that they, they, they have no other way of doing it. It's just a free for all. They don't they don't have enough people that want to come and buy everything up and then do it the Canadian way because of our smaller market, right? Well, but they're super capitalistic. So why aren't these capitalistic auctioneers and liquidators just taking over the whole market like they did here? Why is why is it still the wild? I think it's just because the amount of volume. Hmm. There'd be so much volume that they'd be just sitting on stuff that would just never eventually sell. Like the estate sales I saw were still in this person's home. It's not like it went to a warehouse, but this auction site organized it for them, put all the little tags on all the things. 
And so the auction place still gets a cut, even though it's run by the homeowner kind of thing. It, it's weird. Anyways, I don't know if that's interesting to you, but drives me crazy. No, that just makes me angry. What about, you said last show, Thanks. I think you saw a yard sale in the winter, a sign for one. Did you end up going? No, but yeah, that was back in uh, February. So yeah, I, I had seen a yard sale sign for that upcoming weekend. So that just shows you how crazy the market's getting. I don't know if it was a moving sale or a scumbag reseller, but I don't know. I've never seen a yard sale sign in February. <laughs> yeah. But we're coming on close to that time of the year where we don't have to rely on uh, these rip-off thrift stores anymore. Ah, they are. Right. They're out of control. They are. They should. Well, they. We've got one and may it burn to the ground. <laughs> They're smart. God, God love them. They're smart. And they have all the angles. And it's not the people driving up to their back door and donating. That's just a tiny percentage of their their inventory. It's they got this scam out where they buy from the charities. So like the Diabetes Foundation will do a clothing drive. And it's not for the Diabetes Foundation to sell. The Diabetes Foundation then sells that to Value Village at like a buck a bag or something. And that's where Value Village gets all of this volume. That's funny. I said that uh, the other day, my next door neighbor, I was inside and I heard, um, I think I just walked inside from my car and I'd, I'd seen this cube truck pulling up my street slowly. And it ended up going to my next door neighbor's house and they grabbed like, um, I was watching through the front window. I think they ended up grabbing like three huge garbage bags full of clothes probably. But the back of the truck from what I could see, they had like boxes, not just of clothes, but like of other other stuff, I guess. So yeah. guy gets out, grabs these three huge, massive garbage bags full of something soft, threw them in the back of the truck, and they took off. So God knows where that's going. Value Village. Yeah. Where they announce, we where they have to announce now, they are... They are a not-for-profit. Wait, is that right? Right. No. No, they are a for-profit. They are not a not-for-profit organization. <laughs> yeah. Which means that they are for-profit. 100%. And they are, you know, in this little backward scheme of them, supporting charities by buying the shit from the charities, but... At rock bottom <sighs> dollar and then charging... $19 for a t-shirt now. Yeah. So burn in hell. Is that why you have to get your t-shirts from the boy section? Cause it's a little bit cheaper. I just, uh, yeah. Look at, look at you. Look at you. You can't even see me. I can't see your neck. That's for, that's true. The neck is gone now, dude. It is these <laughs> massive boulders that's barely like congratulations, man. It's, well, it's oh, look at this uh, chest. It's insane. Thanks for the uh I'll have to I have to actually give you a thank you. You made me laugh with that 
with that tweet you put out about me going to the gym. Oh yeah. It's that, a, that guy exactly <laughs> encapsulated what I imagined. Those are all like. the guys I hate at the gym. <laughs> when I go in the mornings, there's this one fucking Italian guy. Fuck. What a, every single stereotypical thing you could think of this guy conveys. He's got the track pants, but they're the, they're the ones that end at halfway down your calf. What are those called? Yeah. Like, I don't know what they're called, but I, I call, know what you're talking about. I call them girl pants. That's what I call them. <laughs> anyway, he's got those ones. So they, they stop at his calf going down. Runners with no socks. Uh, now, mind you, he's a pretty big guy, but he walks like uh, he'd have to go sideways through a door. The way he holds his arms out to his side. Yeah. And him and his two buddy just fucking power. They just power their way through all the machines, doing these supersets, walking around like they're just, they're barely able to keep balance. They're so massive on the upper part of their body. It makes me want to smash my head into the glass every time I see these fucking doofuses. (laughs) (sighs) Whatever. Everything I hate about the gym. Well, that's what keeps a lot of people out of the gym. They don't want to, these people, you know, judging them and stuff. And uh, they're making a big show of themselves. They're not judging and they're not like, but it's just, it's just the way that they convey themselves or carry themselves. They're not being rude. They're not being super loud or boisterous or anything like that. It's just like, they look like fucking douches. (laughs) They look like the guys that I went to my like 80% Italian high school. That's what I had to deal with. When they're working out, are they, do they still have their chains on? No chains, no. But they walk around carrying their duffel bags because they don't put them in the locker. Mm. So from machine to machine, they carry their duffel bags. Uh, that annoys me. <laughs> That's what lockers are for. You don't need to walk around with your gym bag. That you don't take nothing out of the entire time that you're there, but you just carry it with you. Anyway, getting upset. Uh, um, I made a bunch of notes here. Do you want me to name off a couple of things and then you could just stop me at what you want me to talk about? Why do you get to have stuff that you want to talk about? And if I try to have stuff I want to talk about, you say it's boring. Well, this is the only show I get to talk about it on, so... <laughs> All right. I'm going to name off some things, okay? Oh, there's one thing I wanted to talk about, actually, before I forget. Remember I had said um, I did a marketplace sale and I got invited into someone's house? Oh. Well, you sell stuff on Facebook Marketplace and you're not afraid to deliver it to the people. That's part of my service because I've learned these people that play video games are either incredibly lazy and don't want to leave their homes or only take the transit and have no way of getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I just find it, it makes sales a little bit easier if you're willing to deliver. And luckily I commute for work. So that also expands my area a little bit more, which helps out a bit. But anyway, I had this one guy, he was just buying 
uh, unused uh, computer disks off me. So I went to his place after work. And he's only like, I don't know, five minutes away at the most. Invites me into his garage where he's got this arcade machine he is working upon. I forget the name of it now. It's skipping my mind. Some sort of Western arcade. It was completely taken apart except it had the monitor inside and had the board inside, but it was being cleaned out. And that's what he does as a hobby. He uh, uh, not refurbishes, but, you know, fixes these machines back up into pristine condition, right? So we're talking for a minute. And then he goes, hey, you want to come inside and take a look at my stuff? So I'm always amazed at this because I would never have, I don't even have people come to my house. Yeah, I can't even get in your house. <laughs> but the fact that someone would let a total stranger they just met inside their house, like, okay, I should say he's also like our age, maybe or within plus five years kind of thing, right? Um, wife, son, from what he was telling me. But anyway, so he invites this complete stranger, me, into his house. He goes, uh, all right, let's go. Uh, he showed me, walked me inside from in inside from the garage door into his house and into, like, an office area, I guess. And it was wall-to-wall arcade machines, completely done up he had a couple sit down tables he had um in that room he had the it's called like a, a pyramid table where it's in the shape of a pyramid and then one side's got one game and the other side's got a different game on it hmm. yeah one side was like mario brothers and i forget what the other one was i can't remember right now and anyway like just and these machines were all rebuilt by him like immaculate signs on the walls like um you know the video video the arcade machine glass signs that they have at the top of each machine yeah marquees he's got the marquees all over his walls so that's one room and then he says hey you want to come down and check out the basement (laughs) (laughs) so then we go down to the basement and picture this, the entire basement's his. Aside from the furnace room and whatnot, he's got this massive opening of a room. And again, wall-to-wall arcade machines down there. You're talking the real ones. I'm talking real arcade machines. He's got, he had some Vectrexes, like, uh, he had some, like, inlays into the wall. I don't know what you call it. Recessed shelves into the walls he had vectrexes on them he had many old 80s handheld arcade games remember like the old pac-man the little mini arcades yeah yeah. one wall shelf full of all of them he had like the stand-up star wars arcade he had the stand-up uh outrun he had actually had another sit-down driving game pac-man uh defender he had a bunch of pinball machines in there just like i don't know how we're done um no the machines were off actually Hmm. well this was like 
your man's man cave slash game basement. Yeah, this guy's a whole nother level. He's rich. Well, I don't know rich, man. He didn't seem rich. Well, you described these rooms. It's just a standard two-story house. It sounds like a lot of square footage. But, like, obviously his wife catered to his hobby, or he put his foot down and said, bitch, this is what I'm doing, kind of thing, because... It's just like, and he rebuilds them, he keeps them, and he sells some off. Hmm. I couldn't believe it. I was there for about 45 minutes. No pictures or anything? No, I wasn't going to do that. Probably would have thought they were going to come back and rob him or something. No, it sounds like he would have loved it. He loved showing off his stuff. Really nice guy. He wasn't bragging or anything. He was just... Super nice. So you didn't ask to see the, you know. And surprisingly enough, though, he didn't have very many uh, console systems. The ones he did have were boxed up and just like in, a, in like in the, you know, those old like Nintendo glass cabinets you would find like at KB game at KB stores or, you know, the two sliding glass panels on the front, Nintendo on the side or in the front of the pan the box, mm-hmm. the cabinet. He had one of those with lights in it and a couple of systems in there and boxed like a turbo graphics and I don't know, Nintendo and some other stuff. And he was really, he had a, a whole shelf full of boxed Vectrex games. So he's looking for some more Vectrexes because he asked me if I had any, he, I, I wanted to sell to him. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I saw, I saw like five Vectrexes there already. Well, That's what I mean. You didn't ask if anything was up for grabs? No. He, like, was, what? he was clearly collecting for a purpose. Yeah, but these guys have like a storage room. They always have a storage room of overflow. His garage has like, you know, garage ar- arcade uh, boards and boxes all on the shelves. Wow. I was like, holy crap. What a life. You you never never have I ever seen walked into someone's house and seen something like that. Like I had one friend as a kid uh, that I met through uh, a friend and cousin of mine. His dad was actually in the arcade business where he went from businesses, uh, you know, I guess repairing the machines or delivering machines, emptying them out, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So his basement had a bunch of old school pinball machines and a couple of vintage arcade machines, but nothing like what this guy had. Not even close. So they're out there, man. And who knows, they could just be blocks away from your house and you wouldn't even know it. Yeah. And he was just buying a spindle of CDRs from you. Bundle of CDRs for his son because his son was into modding systems and he needed them to burn some stuff. I'm like, okay. I kind of think you can go to the dollar store and still find CDRs. Maybe single discs. I don't find. I don't think you'll find them. In, like this is a spindle of a hundred, so I don't. I don't even know if you could find that stuff at Best Buy. Yeah. No, probably not Best Buy. Yeah. 
And this was something that was in my basement for like two years. I'm like, fuck, get rid of this thing. So at that point, he didn't need to apply lubrication? Nope. Went slid right in. Yep. <laughs> I was I was really tempted to uh, send you a message saying, hey, man, if you don't verbally hear my voice calling you in 15 minutes, uh, this is the address on that. Call the police. Because <laughs> I don't like going into people's houses like that, but. And normally I wouldn't, but like he invited me into his garage, then closed the garage door behind me. <laughs> I'm like, what? The? See, that's how we are missing out on deals too. That's that's the game plan of a lot of guys buying out there. You got to get in the door no matter what. Yeah, he wasn't, unless we were buying five to 10,000 arcade cabinets, dollar wise. No. The only thing I would have bought off him would have been a Vectrex. Yep. Even then, they're going for 400 plus. Well, they were five years ago. Don't know what they are now. Joe's Adventures. Yeah. Dealing with people on. This guy was actually pleasant to deal with. But he still wanted you to deliver, though, which is weird. Uh, he didn't want to. I just said, hey, man, I was dropping off on my way home from work because. He gave me his address and it was like, uh, like under five minutes away by car. That's it. Good job. Didn't get raped. So or we put in, put into a box with a ball in my mouth and a leather mask on my head. You should be more open to strangers from now on. Maybe you'll meet an, uh, an actual friend, get a new friend. COVID man. Oh wait, COVID's over. Yeah, it's apparently done. According to our work, COVID is over because they have taken down all the COVID signs. Yeah. Even the even the walk in this direction floor stickers. Yeah. Walk down with, the hallway on the right. We need a sticker for that on the floor. With much effort, they got rid of those too. Like, well, they were down what two years. There's people chipping away at them with little chisels. It's hilarious. But meanwhile, the news just said the latest variant's called the Delta Cron or something like that. There's another variant? Yeah, it's this new mix of the Delta and Omicron called the Delta Cron, which is, you know, the super. Well, you set. said you said the other day at work, was it you that said it? One of our managers had COVID? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know until I heard you tell me. Well... Not direct manager, but manager yeah. within our department. Well, that's just because I work with someone who knows, finds out everything. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell, man? I don't want to get this. Now, who uh, knows why? I, I may have even had it already, but if I did, I never knew. Can we get down to it? Can we talk down, about it? Down to what? Why you won't get a test at work. I get tested practically every day because I go to the gym I don't need a test <laughs> I, I say that to you every single time you ask yeah. me and I laugh every time I don't know I don't get it I did have that one test it's Came easy back negative it's easy gets you out of the room you know take a little tour of the other place and... hey, I'm one of the few people at the gym that still wears their mask the entire time hmm. 
entry to exit. Even though the rules are walk in wearing it and take it off when you work out. Which mm. is the stupidest rule ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we got coworkers going to the movies. People doing this, people doing that. Well, I it's went over, to the Mandarin. Yeah, you went to Mandarin? Yeah. So you definitely need to get tested. I tested like crazy that following week. Yeah. <laughs> Explain the conditions again. So it's it's full on capacity. No more checking of credentials or anything like that. And I made an early reservation like at 430. This is because my littlest turned 11. And it's it's been our tradition for a while. Um, hasn't been able to do it in a couple of years because of the, you know, COVID. But uh, she loves going to the Mandarin on her birthday. So it opened up again. The buffet's happening. I tried to talk her out of it multiple times, but she was pretty insistent. So I said, okay, we'll do an early reservation, 4.30. Shouldn't be too busy. We'll check out the Mandarin. And uh, surely they must have good safety things in order. And we get there and he tries. To, first of all, they try to seat us like right by the door to the buffet. I'm like, well, can we go back a little bit further into the room? He's like, okay, how about this table? I'm like, no, like more than one or two tables. And he let me go back one more table. And then I asked for even a bigger table, which was totally off the table. Wouldn't do that. And uh, then I, I said to him, I said, what's the big deal? Are you, are you going to, are you planning on packing this room? Like, is this going to be full? And he's like, oh yeah, this room will be full. And I went, oh, great. <laughs> okay, here we go. So in your dining room, your mask can be off. You're eating whatever. But you go to the buffet area, you have to have a mask on and you have to wear gloves. They have boxes and boxes of like those gloves they wear at Subway. You know, those big old slip on super thin gloves so that's kind of good i guess you know you're not touching the same spoon that everyone else is touching except everyone has a glove but it's not like uh, i don't know mask and gloves okay and there was even a uh, safety officer patrolling the buffet area to make sure everyone was following the rules which was good so yeah i felt i felt fine i felt a little bit safe in the buffet area, I felt safe with the food and all that. Um, but they pack in that dining room. It's pretty tight. Everyone's got their mask off and rah, 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 you know, shoving the food in as fast as possible. So that's the only part I felt weird in, especially for two years staying away from everyone. Now everyone's, you know, right up next to you, back to back at this thing and the mandarin's expensive i was kind of shocked that that many people were there and uh next yeah, i asked you is it still uh are they still charging 1999 <laughs> <laughs> that's the last time i went yeah i wish it's friday night too so it goes up so i think it was 35 dollars a plate the 11 year old they charge half that price so yeah that's fair the 11 year old's gonna eat you know, eighteen dollars worth of food. Not not gonna happen. But that's what she wanted for her birthday, so that's what we did. But it was jammed, man. It was jammed with all kinds of people. I remember 
Mandarin used to be, oh, you got to have a dress code. Remember, there's a dress code at the Mandarin. You have to oh, be dressed no. up. And nope. like, yeah, no jeans. Uh, you know, yeah, there used to be a dress code there. Now, every, all the dudes are there with their baseball yeah, now they're, hats on. Their number so. one patrons are people that don't have dress clothes. <laughs> at least take your hat off while you're sitting at the dining table. Like, have a little bit of couth. I can only nope. imagine what they say about some of the patrons that show up, eh? But the high price used to weed out, you know, sorry, those kind of, uh, so you could have a nice experience, but no. Uh, I never knew it to be a nice experience. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it could be a nice experience. Ah, there's screaming babies and yelling at each other, and yeah, it's just... It's not the kind of elegant dining that Joe is used to when he goes out. Yeah. My elegant dining is uh, the keg. That's all I care about. Oof, I haven't been there in years. It's nice, man. It's enjoy- you want enjoyable? That's enjoyable. For me, anyway. I just want a nice steak, nice appetizer. I always get the escargot appetizer. keg size <laughs> Caesar. And the uh, the prime rib, keg size, with all mm. the horseradish. Yes. You know, That's people it. who shy away from the horseradish, just try it. Just a little tiny bit with your chunk of prime rib all yeah, in one fork. Yeah, nose burn. No, no, just a tiny little bit. And the flavor explosion that happens is euphoric. I like the nose burn. That's too much. So you're like overdoing the, uh, it. Like it's Joe like when you have sushi and you put the uh, green stuff on your sushi. To, your nose uh, makes you want to throw up. It's so strong. Well, the next time I want to spend that much on dinner, I'll go to the cake. Cause it's the loudness, price, man. that's a drag for me. I don't like loudness. I don't like people right at your back. So you're right. I'll go to the cake next time. Yeah. Well... At least you had a better birthday than my daughter did. She, uh, we had one weekend, we just had like our family and then she got to pick her dinner. So we had dinner at the house. And then, uh, yesterday, which was Saturday, we had three of her friends come over like we did for my son last year. You know, we weren't going to go anywhere because of COVID, even though there's still stuff opened up. So he just had two friends over and they had a, no, two friends, two or three, three friends that came over and just had a video game party. She was going to do have the same three friends come over and they were going to watch a movie and, you know, play a little bit, have some dessert and uh, bounce. This one friend that came over, I don't like calling an eight year old the C word, (laughs) but I did in front of my wife and my wife uh, did not uh, yell at me for saying that about her. Oh, that is how obnoxious this one girl was from the moment she came in to the moment that she left. She was running the whole party, screaming, not screaming, yelling, talking super loud. Being bossy, you know, my daughters wanted to watch. We rented um, that new Pixar movie, Turning Red. Yeah, that's on Disney Plus for free. Or maybe it's free. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so we watched, they tried to watch it, except this one uh, friend 
didn't really allow it. So my daughter was really upset after the whole party. Wow. And it's one of her friends that she like likes talking to and hangs out at school and talks on, you know, FaceTimes on the iPad. So uh, real opening experience, eye opening experience for her. Um, so we're going to try and request next year that uh, they're not in the same class together. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Joe well, takes it to the next level, of course. Now, this kid probably this kid has is anxiety. never coming over to our house again. This kid probably has anxiety and is no. not used to being at other kids' parents' houses due to the pandemic. Therefore, that was her coping. You no gotta... anxiety there. Let me tell you. Come on, Joe. I bet she, you that's exactly what it was. She is never coming here again. Well, did I do something like that? Because I didn't get invited back either. Uh, yeah, COVID. <laughs> if your if your daughter likes hanging out with her, has a real actual relationship with her, right? Yeah, we've noticed a bit of an attitude change. Oh my god! So uh, you can't just keep doing that. You can't protect your kid from every tiniest little thing that's going to come up. It's not like she's selling her crack cocaine at 10 years old. Uh, she's starting to rub off some bad, bad uh, mannerisms on my daughter. What if your, what if your daughter is the bad influence? No, she's not. <laughs> my daughter is very polite. She knows what would happen to her. Anyway, it was just, it was upsetting. Like, it was a three-hour party, and my wife and I were texting back and forth every, like, ten minutes. Like, two two hours and 30 minutes to go. Two hours and 20 <laughs> minutes. Two hours and 10 minutes. That kind of thing. So, it was really, it was frustrating for us, and I felt really bad for my daughter. So, she did not have a birthday party that she had wanted. So... We might try and do something again where she just invites maybe one friend over and they just have a fun time themselves. So. Well, that's that's just a regular. That's what kids do. Have a friend over. No. You're just talking about regular life. Yeah, but they, she hasn't had friends over because of COVID. So this oh, is like the first thing. Time this really happened in a long time. Anyway, it was really heartbreaking to see her. Like she cried after the party and that kind of stuff. So, <sighs> fuck this bitch. I'm sorry to hear that, dude. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I can. They just get along like guys do, man. We would just be sitting around playing video games. Yeah, guys get it easy. Yeah. No drama. So. Your turn. <laughs> your turn. What do you got? Or I can keep going. <laughs> Tell me. The shit that goes on in my life. Well, go ahead. You were primed to uh, telling me these great things you've stumbled across. Uh, I'm on hour number 13 oh uh, god my D, D video <laughs> or youtube watching from critical role i didn't need to hear about this because i've already heard about it so you gotta give it a try dude no for if you okay so if you don't know what i'm talking about i'd mentioned 
that I, I uh, found this great new to? anime show. Who are you talking to? Because I already know. <laughs> you still haven't even watched it. <laughs> I thought you didn't talk to the listenership. <laughs> yeah. Remember how I told you to watch Vox Machina on Amazon Prime based upon yeah. certain seasons from this uh, D&D group called Critical Role? Yeah. Show's okay. Show's great. It's fantastic. Coming back for a second season. It's a, it's a little over over the top. Anyway, I I went and found their YouTube channel, which is on... It, it originally was airing on a channel called Geek and Sundry. And this channel goes back like six or eight years. Um, so if you go back about five years, I found their very first broadcast... D and D group. I don't even. I don't even know if they call it D and D anymore. They're role playing uh, episodes. So I started at episode one. I'm on episode three. They run for about three to four hours each episode. And it's just the dungeon master talking to the six other group members who are all uh, voice actors um, or slash actors, I guess. I don't know. I thought you'd be into it. It's got one of the chicks is redheaded. She looks decent. My thing is, though, I'm watching them while they're doing their role playing. And I'm like mentally undressing them, trying to see if they're sexy or they're not sexy because she's super skinny and she's got red hair. And but the other one's a little bit. More meatier. <laughs> but she's got long brown hair or, and what's or, and they're all they all seem to flirt with each other. I don't know if it's. Role-playing flirting. Like the redhead is now married to the dungeon master guy, but I don't know how long they've been seeing each other. Was it at the very start? That kind of stuff. Mm. So it's like, I don't know. I'm going, I'm going to do a deep dive into this. Yeah, I'm not. That doesn't sound interesting. But it's actually entertaining. And you wouldn't think that I would be entertained by three to four hour plus episodes of people role-playing a, a D&D campaign, but it's it's like uh, someone vis- someone talking to me about one of my Dragonlance books and someone reading reading it to me. Like those audio books, right? Yeah, still doesn't Give it a try. That, <laughs> oh, yeah. Give that a try. Nothing surprises me, the things I walk in and see you watching. I'm just happy they're not these 400-pound monster men with uh, strings on for shirts <laughs> well, flexing away while they make breakfast. You miss it when I'm watching that stuff. Mm-hmm. We just had a show this weekend, Boston Pro. All right, your turn. Try and entertain me. Well, I can give you something, actually, that's quite entertaining if we're talking digital like uh it is on youtube i don't think all the episodes are on youtube but uh this is a podcast what i've been listening to podcast wise you know besides our our uh uh what do you call it uh group of uh friends who have podcasts you know like the creepy josh and derek show not so special podcast i listen to them i don't find josh creepy at all but 
That's just my opinion of them. <laughs> God damn it. If I don't listen to all like five hours of every episode, but those guys do turn me on to some uh, stuff to watch that I keep missing that I forget. I need to watch like the Kenny and Spenny show is now like a hundred percent available on Kenny's YouTube channel. Should check that out. That's just an aside. That's not what I want to talk about, but that's out there. And of course that's hilarious, but podcast wise, I'm talking about, uh, I think it's called the fly on the wall podcast. It's Dana Carvey and, um, David Spade together doing an interview podcast where they get together and interview, you know, someone who has a history of SNL, especially during their run, but also big guests. Like they've had Tom Hanks on and they had, um, you know, Conan O'Brien on and uh, all kinds of people. And just to hear Spade and Carvey riffing together is, uh, is great on its own, but add in a Conan O'Brien or Daryl Hammond, uh, John Hamm, it's just great. The Tom Hanks one is, it is so unbelievable how easy Tom Hanks gets along with everyone and how he can just riff with anyone. And the memory on the guy was insane. He remembered a song that he did on an SNL sketch that didn't make it out of dress rehearsal. He still knew the lyrics to it. It was crazy. Carvey didn't remember it, but Tom Hanks did. And uh, so, yeah, that's a super entertaining podcast. I think it's called Fly on the Wall. And it's, uh, you know, free podcast. They do have ads. They read ads inside of it, but that's fine. I much prefer that than these podcasts like my uh, Delta Flyers podcast I listen to about Star Trek Voyager with Harry and Tom. They do a podcast, but it's Patreon-based. So they'll just give you the main podcast and they'll say for extra bits, Patreon listeners go to the, go here. And like extra bits could be like full on interviews with like Kate Mulgrew or someone very particular to the show. Only Patreon gets to see that super frustrating. It's like, how much money do you have to take from your fans? After all these years. Yeah, that's the gimmick a lot of people seem to be doing now. Just but like, well, these guys, every convention, they take money from their fans. Always at the conventions, taking money from fans. You don't have to have this Patreon business, especially two big names like that. They can do an ad-based podcast and still get paid. I'm not against them making money. But why you always got to take from the fans? Uh, not at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, like us. It's no Patreon here. No, we're free, baby. Come on. And no uh, ads. <laughs> <laughs> I started watching a show you might like on, uh, <clears throat> it was on Crave, which is our, what do you, what do you call it again? Uh, the streaming service, streaming over service the top. I guess, from our, streaming service from our, uh, our TV provider. There's a, I stumbled across this one. This uh, came out late last year, September 2021. Uh, it's, it's called Triumph Rock and Roll Machine. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, I've seen them vlogging it. I haven't watched it, though. I, I just I saw it on the channel today, so I PVR'd it and started watching about 15 minutes of it before we to do this. But I don't know. I'm, 
for some reason I like Triumph, but I never really got into them. I don't know why. But are they like underrated musicians like Rick Emmett, Gilmore, Mike Levine? I don't, I don't listen to Triumph. I don't. Have you watched Rick Emmett ever play the guitar though? No. You gotta check it out, man. I think he's like he's up there, isn't he? <laughs> I don't know. And then you kind of forget, like, how many Canadian rock trios are there? And these guys were like massive in the seventies and eighties, right? And they disappeared at the very right when they were most famous. Rick Emmett decides to quit the band. Well, sing me a couple Triumph songs so I can remember. Uh, I don't know. I can't. Uh, my, yeah, <laughs> I got COVID in my throat. I can't sing very good. Because were they rock or were they more pop? They were rock. I, I You got to check it out. Triumph, rock and roll machine. Another Canadian rock power trio, man. Canadians love their trio bands. I tried on this Crave. I tried to watch because they have a, their soft launching 4K. So like now in 4K. The Cry Macho movie. What's the that? new Clint, East, Clint Eastwood movie. Oh, yeah. So. I think it good ratings. You know, I if I watch that on my projector, this is where you need 4K because of the, the, the picture gets blown up so much. Any kind of compression or digital uh, bits, you're going to see. You know, only rich people have projectors, right? No. Projectors are cheap. Because uh, I don't have a projector. Yeah, you got a full-on or, TV that or size. Or do I have the room for a projector? Oh, my God. Anyways, I could tell this is not 4K, guys. So I don't know what they're what they're doing over there, but they got to work that out. And another movie I tried to watch, and I shut it off probably prematurely. I should give it a chance because uh, I looked into it. Like, I looked into it to see, like, am I off my rocker? Is this as bad as I think it is? And apparently it is all part of, you know, the illusion of the filmmaking that the, the mindset they're trying to put the viewer in. And it's one of these movies you should just sit and watch, lock the door, don't get up, don't watch your phone, just be in it. And it's the movie called Spencer about Princess Diana starring uh, what's her face, you know, from uh, your vampire movies. Buffy, Buffy the Vampire. Yeah. In Twilight. Exactly. And Christina Ricci, what's her name? Chris, yeah, Christina Ricci, exactly. Cindy Crawford. It's shot like immediately the aspect ratio is is weird. And then the whole image seems to have this gauze over top of it that it, it's like a very heavy grain, but it's more Gaussian like. It's like an Instagram filter over the whole thing. And um, this guy just appeared at some point, right? That's what I was looking up, right? Is this like some kind of dream sequence or something? I should have stuck with it. They're just trying to get you into the mindset of the 80s and Super 8 film, mm. 16 millimeter film. Yeah, that's, that's got to disappear at some point. After you know, Polaroid. And... They want you to look through it through the eyes lens of a Polaroid because that's the era. That's That's what was happening. And apparently it was shot on like. 35 mil film and 16 mil film. Like it, it is, it's the real deal for film, but it looks that way too. And uh, so apparently it is quite good though. If you just set your mind to watching it and allow yourself to be present, 
in that moment. So maybe I'll go back and give it another chance. But I was just in the mood like this weekend. This was going to be my Steven Seagal weekend because Hard uh, to Kill is being released on Netflix this weekend today. Maybe that's all I'll do after this. And so I was going to watch Steven Seagal movies this weekend. I started off with Under Siege on Friday. And just be totally disappointed with all of them? <laughs> that was still a fun time, that Under Siege. And the print, this was on Netflix, I think? Yeah, it was on Netflix. The print looked amazing. And the stereo sound was, like, top-notch. Don't waste your time with Under Siege, man. Now, What's the it's... One? What are the first two... The ones he did where he was a cop and his wife gets killed or something. Well, that's that's what I mean. In the 90s, right, you had this Steven Seagal trio of three-letter movies, or three-word movies. Hard to Kill, yeah. Masked for Death, and what was the Was other? that the one with uh, Screwface? Who's Screwface? That's, that's the, the bad guy. Oh, the character it a, name? It was a Jamaican guy. But right. he had like um that's mass for death. I haven't seen them since the nineties, so I was gonna have fun with the the Steven Seagal movies. Up here. Uh but Hard to Kill's out tonight. That's the one where his family gets killed and he uh wakes up after two months or something from a coma and has yeah, to That's the only good one to watch. No, the first one whose title we can't remember is is a really hard, good one too. Hard to kill. Hard, no. What is the one from nineteen ninety? It's hard to kill. Right here. Hard to kill. Mask. What did I say? Oh, above the law. That's the one. Above the law. Yeah. No one is above the law. You're wrong. I am. (laughs) (laughs) So I was having fun there. 88. We rented that one. Hard to kill. It's hard to kill the screw face one? No, masked for death. That's no. the Jamaican one. Mark for death. Mark for Marked death. for death. Nine, that's, that's 1990. And then after those trio of movies, well, Under Siege was, of course, the pinnacle. Then he kind of, he was in executive decision with Kurt I'm Russell. Say that, that's the best one because he dies in the first two minutes. <laughs> I, I was, as a kid watching that, I was a very little kid. Very, I very little kid. This one. What happened? Yeah, exactly. Steven Seagal dies almost immediately. I so I think, like I'm finally, finally people were like, I can't work with this guy anymore, and uh, that was that. Now he's only done B movies and eaten a lot of Cajun food. Actually, yeah, you're right because all the ones after that were garbage. Like there was Fire Down Below, On Deadly Ground, Beyond the Law, Half Past Dead. You know, all these blockbuster movies you've heard of, right? Yep. That was the uh, executive decision was a breaking point. Something happened. They said, I can't work with this guy. Actually, I wouldn't mind watching Out for Justice again. I don't remember if it was Fly in the Wall podcast or those two lads were on Stern Show. And Dana Carvey was talking about Steven Seagal appearance on SNL. And he said it was just a disaster. It was. Yeah, Basil Wallace played Screwface. Nice. So let's wrap this up so I can watch Hard to Kill. All right, wait. Are we going to wait for you to read more? This is no, the- I was, was going to play the Screwface trailer. gangs known as posses are now dominating the American drug trade. In Above the Law, he got Listen tough. to that voice. John Hatcher. 
DEA. In Hard to Kill, he got even. It's another time for you to walk out of me. I've had enough. He thinks he's retired. He still looks functional to me. Now, the man with the short fuse is marked for death. I want you to meet my sister, goddess of fire. Steven Seagal is John Hatcher. He's dead. And he don't even know it. A good cop. Your family has been marked. In a bad mood. I don't think he's gonna get the chance. What are you planning to do? I'm gonna take out the posse. One thought he was invincible. The other thought he could fly. They were both wrong. <laughs> Who do you fear? you into the light. Steven Seagal is marked for death. It's my silent partner. But this time, he's bringing out the big guns. Steven Seagal, marked for death. Are you some kind of cop? Nah, I'm just a concerned citizen. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, man. That's not streaming anywhere, so... Now I remember the gimmick. The, the Screwface gimmick was he thought he killed them because there are always like discrepancies in, in where they appeared. There were twins. Right. Oh, spoiler. Was. Yeah. Spoiler. What a great trailer. They don't make trailers like that anymore, eh? Not that, with that, that voice. voice. The, the crappy uh, sound effects they use for gunfire. Maybe uh, someone I know who has a Plex might uh, put those trio of movies up on their Plex. Although, if I got to say something about the Plex service, if uh, I wish some people would put 4K stuff on there. Because a lot of the stuff that, uh, remember I talked about the digital compression and all that? It's, it's quite relevant on some of those uh, movies on the Plex. We need uh, some higher higher res. And put that request out there. But if I might, you know, I've been telling you about my Korean zombies that I love so much. And I just wrapped up another show about Korean zombies, which I thought was excellent. And as you know, Train to Busan was great. Uh, was Train to Busan. You never told me about that. It's a Korean zombie. They get on a train. Zombies on a train. And then... Uh, uh, you know the UFC fighter named uh, nicknamed the Korean zombie? Uh, Kingdom on Netflix, which is that period zombie thriller show I told you about. That's set in like the 1400s. Yeah, Excellent. I started watching it. I didn't like it. Well, it's like a geopolitical thriller. You actually have to pay attention a little bit and enjoy the. I'll watch it if you watch uh, some of those D&D episodes. That's not even close to the same thing. So the latest show was this All of Us Are Dead, it's called. It's on Netflix. It's been in their top ten for the longest time. And it's uh, uh, this their version of the zombie plague comes out and it centers around these kids that are in high school. So they're in this South Korean giant 
freaking high school and uh, the Korean zombie plague just moves so quick. Like if you're bit, you're turning within two minutes and then you're full on sprinting zombie. You're not, you know, lumbering around lunging. You're full on sprinting zombie, mindless zombie. And it is based on this uh, virus that was created in a lab accidentally and uh, by the science teacher of all things. And he's trying to contain the virus. But inevitably, this kid, you know, gets infected. And through that, the whole city just instantly gets infected. And these kids are trapped in the high school waiting for rescue. But it's good because, like, my biggest problem with The Walking Dead and those you know, any kind of North American thriller TV shows is people just do stupid things to create tension and drama, right? It's poor writing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the, uh, well, I don't know. I always call it the walking dead syndrome. Like everyone's saying, why are you doing this? That's just the stupidest thing to do. And they do it. And it creates this whole uh, drama that the episode revolves around. There doesn't seem to be much of that stupidity in this show. They're, they think through all of their moves and they, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to survive. They're not trying to be stupid. And that's what I like about all of us is dead. And you remember last episode, I talked about the silent sea that uh, science fiction uh korean show i told you about they just write things better they don't just have people make stupid decisions or i love in the walking dead when they're still surprised by a zombie like they're still they're what 20 years into the zombie apocalypse and they still get snuck up on by zombies at this point you know they're not trained to smell them out or even hear the shuffle (laughs) you know so Korean TV seems to be the way to go for me. It's a lot of Korean coming from my basement nowadays. I really miss those those uh, other foreign horror movies. I kind of you can't even call them horror. I don't know what they are. The zombie ones that we used to watch from like what are they Netherlands or something or France? Yeah, we saw some good ones from France and England, I think. British yeah, those Island. are the ones I really enjoyed. I wish. If I could find some more of those, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be, you know, that same genre, but just something about the way that those, there's something about the way that certain particular countries produce these, uh, I don't know, what what you want to call them, seasonal uh, shows, right? Horror shows or whatever you want to call them. I don't know if it's the production, their their film style, the type of film that they use, the writing's good, the, the is the scenery because of you know the countryside that it takes place in. It's just mm-hmm. so different from what we're accustomed to uh, having or even seeing normally here in like North America, or at least where we are. I don't know. So if I could find some more of those, I'd really be interested in watching. Well. That. You know, I I did tell you about the uh, British version of that World War of the Worlds revival that was on our CBC. You did? And and was a British show as well. Yep. What was that called? uh, War of the Worlds. There's only a billion War of the Worlds that have been made. (laughs) I know. And that was a weird one where two of them came out at the same time 
like two years ago, right? There was a, a British one and a and maybe a French one. Remember one was like steampunky? It was Edwardian time zone. And then uh, this one is in modern times. War of the Worlds CBC? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. And you can watch that uh, in uh, Canada. It got bad ratings. Well, I think it was fine. Streaming on the gem. You can stream it on the gem. I don't want fine. I want... Well, I'm not going to say that one was perfect, but I'm going to say it was very watchable. And I watched all the seasons. Remember that old World of the Worlds that they used to have on TV back when we were kids? Did you ever see that one? Yeah. I remember really liking that one. I got that on DVD, I, I believe. Really? I trade you some records for it. Or you just bore it off you. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, I got to lend you that uh, tree cutter. And can I keep going, or uh, do you have something you got to fit in before we end here? No, I gotta go. I gotta wake up early, so you can go one more thing. Okay. Well, last week I told you about being the Ricardos. Yep. On Prime, so it was that uh, dramatized telling of I Love Lucy, starring Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem. Who I didn't really like as Ricky Ricardo, Desi Arnaz. I saw uh, what's his face from the Star Wars movies, uh, Finn. You know that guy? What's yeah. his name? Yeah, he wears the uh, leather. I call him leather jacket. Yeah, leather jacket. He would have been perfect as Desi Arnaz. Nonetheless, also on Prime, they've come out with an actual documentary on. The uh, Lucy and Desi story. And it's done by Amy Poehler. She's producer and director of it. And they go through the whole goddamn thing. And it's, you know, it's as fascinating a story as anything. Like their lives, how they came up, but also how they uh, ran that studio. Like Desi Lou Studio nowadays, it's like a billion dollar studio in today's dollars. And they're running that while having the number one TV on TV show on television, starring in it, producing it, pumping it out while running a billion dollar studio, Desilu Studios. So it's a pretty fascinating story. I, I think anyone would enjoy watching that, especially if they like being the Ricardos, because the, you know, the stuff they talk about in the Ricardos is really happen they show the stuff in the documentary no good um yeah i just don't have interest in it <laughs> i'll watch so i'll tell you what i'll watch some of it if you watch some of that D. no that's not even remotely the same i'll watch it, the equivalent in hours uh, the three and a half that you'll have to watch per episode. You know what's weird? I was just scrolling through my phone. Here I know. You're one, reading your phone while I'm trying to talk one to of you. The, uh, it's the greatest. One of the sponsored ads that just came up was being the Ricardos. <laughs> and you're like, where am I hearing that? Oh, wait. Someone's in my headphones talking well, to me. Well, no, because I was looking for the War of the Worlds. So I, I Googled War of the Worlds TV series. And there's one that came out in 88 to 90. 
And I think that's the one that I remember seeing as a kid. Oh, you were more than a kid. But I, I don't remember. But it sort of looks like it. Like it has that uh, that other uh, alien TV show I used to watch. V. Remember V? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was incredible. You know, it's got that same character feel. Like, look at these. <laughs> yeah. No, it's kind of blurry, but. Yeah, the big hair. You know, very 80s, late 80s style of uh, clothing, right? Oh, so that documentary is called Lucy and Desi, I do believe. That's what it's called. They all got to talk about a redhead, so he's all happy now. <laughs> he's going to go beat off. It's true. Yeah, even as a kid, I always thought Lucy was attractive. I don't know, is that weird? Yeah. Yeah. Is it? That's weird. I don't know. Not attractive. Really? Yeah. You know, that documentary was in full-blown 4K, I do believe. And you could see, like, early on in her career, she would, like, her eyebrows were, like, pencil thin, right? As was the style in the 30s. So there there was that peculiarity, because she held on to that for a while. But also, throughout her career, she always did her lipstick where it came over her actual lip line, like, here. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. That's and I weird. was like... I always thought that was her lips, but in the clarity of the big screen, you could see she actually put the lipstick over her lip line in those areas, which I thought was a strange choice. I guess to give yourself uh, the illusion of like fuller lips. Totally, but it just makes them square to me. Right, that's what they did back in the fifties. But she 60s. did that. Forever throughout well, the career. Once you start doing it, you don't stop. All right, time to bounce. Uh, well, thanks for uh, enjoying this episode of STC Pod. Don't forget yes. to uh, let us episode know. Number three hundred and something. Ah, whatever. It's more than Fandango anyway, so it's all that matters. Much, much more. Much, much voluminous. Voluminous. Uh, let us know in in your twitters, in your uh, social medias that you're enjoying SDC pod. It keeps Joe happy, keeps him on track. Yeah. Uh, reminds him to edit the program and get it published. Cause none of us like sitting on this show for a week, waiting for Joe to publish. And it might even get Joe to create in more, uh, regular fashion like the old days. Well, if you weren't so busy because once a month, I don't know. It's not once every two weeks. Is that holding up our end of the bargain once a month? Every two weeks. All right. Hey, we only have to get out 24 episodes, and that's the bargain. <laughs> well, show me that small print. We said it. We said it in the uh, charity stream. Okay. Every well, one of us said it. Probably might have been me. Every two weeks, or 24 episodes, whatever comes first. Well, don't forget to grab this episode from whatever podcast aggregator you got and enjoy it and let us know you've seen it tell your friends over your body and uh that keeps joe going he needs that as you're listening to it all right thank you joe it's a pleasure talking to you as usual it is <laughs> hey folks uh post it and post it